kids' worship. You guys can be dismissed. Now, I want to invite you to turn with me to this verse, and that is in Proverbs uh, chapter 14. And I know this is, this is uh, one that, uh, you know, you're probably very familiar with. But I have to say this. In studying this, this, this verse, I'm not a Hebrew scholar at all. This verse is really, really difficult to translate the original language, exactly what the original intent and all of the nuances of that. We're pretty much going to go with the traditional translation and rendering of that, which says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. To any people. Now, this is in Proverbs where we're getting those one-liners, you know, just hitting us with truth. Boom, boom. And this is one of those truths that is universal. Uh, this is not just what God has said and not just what he was saying to the people he called out, uh, uh, the children of Israel, through whom he brought into the world the one who was to be the blessing to all nations, the Messiah. But uh, this is what he's saying to everyone. This principle applies to all of us even today. And so as we think about this, as we contemplate these things, I want, you to, I want you to think about freedom, what it costs, and I want you to think about our role even in this nation that we have. As we focus Memorial Day on the incredible price that was paid by those who have given their lives um, to birth this country and to protect it, um, you know, I realize that better people than me have died just so that I can have the opportunities that I have. And it seems like we live in a whole world full of people who seem to take everything for granted, don't really appreciate, and um, we don't want to be like that. And I appreciate Wayne sharing. Uh, you know what is so amazing to me that right here today, uh, I know a lot of people are out of pocket. I don't know how many are tuning in. A lot of people say they do when they're gone, but you know, I have no way of really knowing that. But um, So shout out if you are, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, Wayne, Daryl, you guys are in your 90s. In fact, Daryl is about to have yet another birthday. Can I say how many? Tuesday? 97. Yeah, you ought to be a pro at having birthdays now, Wayne. You've had so many of them. But I thank God for, for you guys. And, and Wayne, um, you're also in your 90s. See, He's 91. So when he started that, that, and I appreciate the testimony, when he started that story, he was going to, when he was talking about, you know, didn't have an ag teacher, then he did have and learned about electricity, I thought it was going to be uh, Benjamin Franklin and they were doing that whole kite project. That's where I thought you were going with that. But, but uh, I, I told him, I said, I didn't know they had electricity when you were a kid. But anyway, not quite that old. But I, I, I'm so thankful that we've been able to share all these years and all these experiences and that I've been able to draw from their experience and their wisdom and so many like them. And I, I pray that we can keep that going until the Lord comes back. Amen. So the next generation of men. So we've had, we've had a good generation of men that have poured themselves into the younger generation. And I don't like this when there's that separation. I mean, you know, there's been more cultural changes in the last five years than, uh, I mean, you know, used to there were big generational shifts about, you know, every, what, would, what is it you say, you know, uh, I, I haven't got all the figures, but it was decades, and then it's down to a smaller amount of time. Now, it's about every 18 months, there's major cultural shifts that are happening. Everything's happening so fast. I think that's a sign that we're nearing the end, right? Things are moving faster as we're getting toward the end. So, uh, 
Anyway, so the thing is, is we want to keep passing this on, and we want to take full advantage of what God has, has allowed us to, to live in and to have. So the nation in which we live, you know, we lead the world in a lot of categories of prosperity and liberty. Uh, we have the Boyer family, uh, Lance and Brittany and Isaac and Ella, who are in Ecuador today. We're praying for the Hannah Project team that's down there. And, you know, there are other nations that, you know, have come a long way. But, but if you get very far out of this country, and so we're, we're praying for not just them, but people working and spreading the gospel and ministering to people around the world. But if you, if you get out, out of, you know, our homeland, you begin to find out everybody doesn't have it like we have it. They sure don't. Uh, and so we do lead the world still yet in a lot of categories of prosperity and liberty Sad news is we're also one of the leaders or becoming more and more leaders in divorce, crime, and drugs, and violence. Um, and we've seen the breakdown in this generation or so, in the past 50 years or so especially, we've seen the breakdown of the backbone of the fiber of any civilization, and that is the family. As the family goes, so the church goes, so the community goes, so the nation goes. The very first institution that God ordained is the family. If you believe the Bible, this is basic, that God created male and female, and God brought them together to become one, and that in that environment, to be able to be fruitful and multiply and fill up the earth. Now, God's plan was perfect. The problem is, is when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought the curse of sin. Instead of being God-conscious and other-conscious, they became self-conscious. First thing they wanted to do is cover and hide themselves. And then when God questioned them, the very first thing Adam did was blame his wife. Right? And so he set a precedence for men from then on. What I'm saying is sin wrecked that, our relationships. Sin has fractured. And we allow sin to fracture our lives and our families, which and it trickles right on down through uh, the nation and, and all civilization. But the backbone of our society is our families, and we've seen you know, a family where moms and dads actually work together, love each other, um, where they lovingly raise their children and train their children. We even cast away our children now before they're even born. We have all kinds of, of tragedies and all kinds of issues that we are not doing so well with dealing with. The question is, is what kind of, if, if time goes on, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of um, testimony, what kind of, what kind of country are we leaving our children, our grandchildren that's coming on behind us? You know, a lot of times you can say, well, I don't care about this. Well, you need to care because if you love people that are coming along behind you, what kind of impact are we making? What are we, what are we going to leave behind? See, the problem in America, we've got all these problems, but I want to tell you, the problem isn't inflation. The problem isn't the war here and there. The problem isn't the economy. The problem is sin. Okay? The Bible's very clear. And the thing about it is, is we have an enemy that's real. You know, just as God is real, we have an enemy that is real. And uh, he hates freedom. Satan hates freedom. He loves to promise it, but actually... He wants to promise it, but what he really wants to do is destroy it and bring us all into different types of bondage. He is not just a liar, but Jesus said he's the father of all lies. He ultimately wants to bring us into a bondage that is eternal. That's what his goal is. 
Your freedom in Christ, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, is more precious than anything else in this world. Any fame or fortune or diamond or jewel or money. It was purchased by the blood of our Lord God himself. He wasn't just human. He was also fully God. It was purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Freedom isn't free. I know we say that a lot, but it's true. It's not free. And so Satan's a master thief. Jesus said that he had come, he had come to steal, right? He's a thief. And to kill. We see all kinds of things happening in our world. And yes, once again, this week we've been rocked by stuff that makes no sense. The violence, the tragedy, the murder. Um, we got people growing up with no, no bearing, no conscience, no teaching, no point of reference of, of what is true and right. Um, and he, he's come to destroy, and we're certainly seeing that. And I think it's time that, that, that people at least have enough sense to look and see the philosophies. And by the way, talking about philosophy, Next week, Lord willing, we're going to get back in our verse-by-verse study in James. We're at the end of chapter 3, and I thought we'd just carry it right on today, but I just really felt convicted to to insert this here at this time. Uh, But uh, I am so overwhelmed and convicted by that passage that we're going to get to in James on wisdom. And, it, and he, he contrasts true wisdom from above, above with human wisdom, which comes from below and is destructive. And so, in, and, and we're going to see how that Paul even points out, the Bible points out how that people professing themselves to become wise have become fools. And we see that, that the philosophy, and this will come back up, uh, the philosophies are not working. It's not There's no way you can look at anything over the past and track how things, it just is not working. At least they could give that, but they don't see it. Because, you see, God is the owner, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. He is the creator of all things. That means he is the designer. And if you don't go by his design, who designed his plan, uh, it's just not going to work. Not only, you know, can we talk about things being sinful, evil, wicked, it just doesn't work. We see evidence of that every single day, that the enemy has lied and people have bought into it and allow not just destruction, but they've allowed their even freedom to be stolen. And we see it happening spiritually, emotionally, and in our society. So, uh... I think when we're talking about the nation we live in, and I, and I don't do this very often, right? You know that. Some, some guys get up and every Sunday they're preaching about America, America, the nation, and all of that. But what I want to do is I want us to become sold-out believers who are part of the kingdom of God, and we're going to be impacting this nation and the whole world. That's how we're going to change. We're going to find out how we make an impact, how we change the nation in which we live in. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't choose. Now, there are some people who have, like, I had ancestors that went to a lot of trouble. And here's the thing. From all kinds of, of ethnic backgrounds, if I trace out my whole family and find those on every side that made their way here so that the right people met up and uh, boom, here I am today and there you are. Uh, but, come from a lot, but they went through a lot to be here. But I didn't choose. I didn't choose who my parents are. I didn't choose the nation in which I was born. This has all been a gift to me. I could have been born somewhere else for all I know. 
And what would that have been like? So I have a responsibility here um, in, in, this, in this time and in this nation. So I don't just harp about, well, this and America, that. I mean, you know, all of that's true. But what we want to do is teach the Word of God and apply it. I want to stick to this, and I want us to apply it. And let's go out there. Instead of just talking about how bad everything is, let's go out there and let's make an impact for the gospel, and let's see people's lives change person to person, which impacts whole communities and nations. I mean, here's the question I got. Is because of what we believe and what we say that we, we um, have faith in and the way that we believe we should live, is our community, are they being impacted by that? Is, is this community a better place because we're all here doing what we're doing and believing what we're believing? Well, I pray that it is. That's one of the things that's our focus is God's not called us just to gather in a place on Sunday and just talk about what's wrong out there and just speak about a few truths of the Bible and pray and go home. He's called us to go forth from here and to be salt and to be light and to impact the world with the truth of God and the gospel. Now, they don't always want to receive that, but that, that God uses us to reach others with the good news and then he changes their lives so you and I impact the whole world around us for good. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take the light into the darkness instead of just have our, you know, and to be salt of the earth, instead of just having our salt shaker meetings on Sunday and our light gallery gathering on Sunday. We take the light to the darkness. The most dramatic part of when we gather ought to be when we begin to, when we say amen and we split. I mean, I hope the enemy is out there like, watch out, here they come, right? That we want to be that. There were others who went before us that were that. And um, so the problem is, is because we have neglected so many things, we're losing spiritual freedom. We're losing emotional, psychological, and personal freedom as citizens. Most Americans don't feel as free as they once did. Most of us don't feel as safe as we once did. So understand at this moment, though, we have more liberty in this nation than most people on the planet, all right? So thank God for that, amen? We've enjoyed more freedoms than most people throughout history, but it's always a struggle. Even in the early days of this nation, as freedom was fought for and gained, not everybody who lived here was actually free. The Declaration of Independence statement that all men were created equal, actually, they didn't include all men until more fighting and more struggle took place. So here's the deal. All right, you ready? Let's get into it. As we'll see, here's what's happening in our world. And here's why we have a loss of freedom. You want to see it? Here's one reason why. It's because of what this, what it says in Proverbs. Sin is a reproach to any people. Okay, um, here we go. As our society gets more and more wicked and selfish... The powers that be, government, has to make more and more laws to regulate it. That's part of what's happening. Or at least they feel like they do. As we're going to see, the laws don't really change anybody. It just tries to set boundaries. But as we get more and more, more wicked, then more and more laws have to be put in place to try to control everybody. I mean, I think about this this week, all the tragedies happening and all the debate going on. You know, I grew up on a dairy farm. Here it comes, Rosebud, Arkansas. 
And small town, a lot like this. That's why I've always felt at home here, because this is just like where I grew up, or like it used to be. And I mean, when I was, when I was in high school, I mean, we're talking in the early to mid-1980s, um, you know, how many of the guys would drive the truck to school? And we had these, these things in the back windshield. And it was a rack. And, and, and many of them would, we, would have rifles and shotguns. Remember that? Do you ever see any gun racks besides, like, police vehicles nowadays? Most of the trucks had gun racks and had firearms in them. And so here we are parking on the school campus with multiple firearms on display. And guess what? We didn't even lock the vehicle. So what I'm saying is you don't see that anymore. In fact, if you show up, if you just showed up on campus with a gun rack with firearms, you're going to get escorted somewhere. You're going to get helped out, right? Why is that? It's because things have changed. People have changed. I mean, you didn't have to worry about anyone using one of those for something bad. Hardly ever you ever heard of it back in those days. You didn't even have to worry about someone stealing one of them. In fact, I don't even know that you, we, most of us back then even took our keys. Bothered it. We, you just left your keys where they were, right in the ignition. You know? And, 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 and even back then, most of the doors didn't ding, 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 ding when your keys were left in the ignition. And there was no need because you didn't have to remember to lock it. So what I'm saying is that doesn't go on in my hometown anymore and it doesn't go on here. Because of this. People have become more and more and more wicked and more restrictions have to be put into place to control our wicked, evil deeds and imaginations that become deeds. So this text says that righteousness is, is what lifts up, what exalts a nation. That's what it means, lifts us up. Righteousness, sin, is what brings us down. Uh, so you cannot separate. Are you watching this? I, I got to move faster. All right, we got to get done. I know a lot of people are out of pocket today, so it's kind of a different type of atmosphere today. So I want you to hang in here. Right, I'm going to go fast now. You can't separate righteousness and liberty or freedom. You cannot separate righteousness and freedom. They go together. And the reason we're in danger of losing so much liberty is because we are losing our righteousness. Now, what do we mean by righteousness? We have all these words in our English language that change meanings and all that. You know, somebody talk about somebody looking sharp. Woo, that's righteous. So we just don't even know what things mean anymore, right? I know for the young people, I just went back about 40 years with that one, right? Old slang, right? Oh, man. Here we go. Let's get some Bible. Righteousness has to do with living according to God's word and God's will. Righteousness, doing what is right. See, there's that word right, doing what is right before God. It has is connected with being separated for him, holiness, synonymous with being just. And just has to do with justice, with what is right, what is decreed by God, what is perfect in his eyes. Um, it is a responsibility that we assume. The more you assume, the more liberty you have. So here's how it looks like the scripture presents righteousness and doing things God's way and with the motives that God wants us to have equals liberty. 
So, so what the enemy's trying to say, oh man, all those things, that just brings you to bondage. No, it's really what sets you free. And what he's trying to say, oh, do this, 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 that's what brings you to bondage. So, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. You've got to have wisdom from God. Righteousness produces liberty. Sin produces bondage. That's what the Bible teaches us. So the more uh, liberty you have, the more righteousness you're going to have, the more sins you have, the more sin you have, the more bondage. All right? You've got it. So we have more or less liberty, therefore, based on our character and our righteousness. When we abuse this responsibility, we lose liberty. We cannot continue that path and expect for any of us to feel free or be free in this nation. Now, Paul teaches spiritually about this in Galatians, all right, about our freedom in Christ, that Christ paid the price spiritually to set us free from a bondage of sin and the bondage just to the law, which was a bunch of rules, right? And a lot of it was symbolic of things that God was going to fulfill in Christ. But he says in Galatians 5.13, he says, for you were called to freedom. How about that? He's not just saying that to them. He's talking to people everywhere, even people who are living in these terrible places where there's a dictator or there's just terrible things going on. We were all called by God to freedom. That's his goal for us, brothers. He says only this. When you have freedom, when you have spiritual freedom in Christ, when you've been set free from the bondage of the law and the bondage of sin, he says this. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So sometimes if, so here's the thing. When you begin to take freedom the wrong way, and, and, and it, you begin to lose freedom. That's what he's telling you. If you try to use it as an opportunity for the flesh to do what you want, you're going to end up losing freedom. So through love, you have to serve one another. So here's what we see in Scripture. Are you ready for it? We have freedom. But this verse tells us, but we also have responsibility. Don't do this. Paul's teaching us that our freedom in Christ brings with it what? Responsibility. Our freedom brings responsibility. And that, you ready for this? Individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibilities. So I have rights, I have freedom, but that is automatically coupled with responsibility that I have. Don't take your freedom too far or you're going back into bondage. You have to have responsibility there. In a nation where there are rights without responsibility... The result is anarchy. Liberty without responsibility will gobble up liberty. Get that? Where there's no responsibility, it will self-destruct. If we claim liberty without taking responsibility for the outcome of our actions without regard to its effect on other people, then we all begin to lose liberty. So let me have this question. In our Constitution, we have a Bill of Rights. Correct? All right, Uh, but there's no bill of responsibilities. A bill of rights, but not a bill of responsibilities. Uh, We know the founders' thoughts on this, though, because besides the Declaration of Independence and besides the Constitution, they wrote a lot of other stuff that we have. So it's pretty easy to find out how they really thought and what they really believed about things. Uh, They assumed that most people had what they called moral guardrails that would guide them in this freedom. They just assumed that most people had that, and it was based on what Scripture's taught. 
Whether they even believed in God or not, they believed in these guardrails, these moral guardrails, these values. People start talking about values, family values and morals. You know, nowadays, it doesn't tell me anything. I mean, because what's valuable to you may not be the same as is valuable to me. You're talking about values. Whose values? What are they based on? Are they based on something rock solid or are they based on something that's sinking sand? And so we're talking about these guardrails, these values that's based from Scripture. And there were basically three assumptions that our founding fathers made. And that was this. First of all, that uh, they assumed that a consensus of conscience, conscience, a consensus of conscience. That is, people generally believed, most people at that time generally believed the same things were right and wrong. They pretty much did. Um, now, pretty much any society you go to, even we find people living out in the bush in the jungle that have been separated from civilization, uh, they have a moral code as well. I mean, you know, usually in most of those situations, murder is wrong. Uh, even though some of those tribal chiefs may have more than one wife, you, 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 you know, you can't have your neighbor's wife. You know, there's, there's just similar things that people, that, and, and, and by the way, Romans 2 talks about that, that even when they don't have the law of God, God puts in their conscience part of that law. But then he talks later on about, the Bible talks about how conscience becomes seared like with a hot iron, right? Um, so they, they, they at least assumed that. The second thing was a divine accountability. That God had granted liberty and we were accountable to something more than just ourselves. We're accountable to some, someone more than just ourselves. And thirdly, individual expression was governed by concern for other individuals. You think about other people. How your actions will impact others. They assume these three things as you read their stuff. So let's look at the Declaration of Independence right quick, okay? Because this is kind of what kicked off everything. Declaration of Independence says this. Starts out, it says, we hold these truths. They believed in truth. <laughs> we got people in government today that don't even know what truth is. These truths to be self-evident. That is, if you've got half a brain, and you can see and know stuff. You should know. It is self-evident. You don't need any documentation. You see it. You know it. These truths are self-evident. What are we talking about? That. All men. He's talking about all mankind. All humans. Are created. Are created equal. Created. They didn't believe that we were some high form of animal that just operates on instinct and devours devours whatever they can devour and destroy whatever they can destroy, kind of like people are doing now. What are created, created equal. That means everybody's equally valuable. We don't have the same roles, but we're equally valuable. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I mean, these are a given. And among these are what? First of all, life. Life. And this is, this is why right to life does become such an issue. It doesn't matter whether you're handicapped or whether you're old or whether you've not actually been birthed yet. If you're alive, have a heartbeat. Our, our Declaration of Independence says that that was one of the inalienable, un, un, unable rights from our Creator that we've been given is, first of all, to life, to live. And that's a deal, okay? Uh, and liberty, freedom. God designed for us to have freedom. 
and the ability to pursue happiness. Now, that's how it started off, and that's what they said. Um, they believed our individual rights that we have doesn't come from government. They believed it came from where? From God. That's what they believed. They actually believed that we don't have these freedoms and rights because government gave them to us, but because God gave them to us. And we're accountable to God for how we exercise those rights. And one of our founding fathers, second president of the United States, actually said this. John Adams said, quote, Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, end quote. That is, that our Constitution was designed to govern people who had these guardrails and a little bit of sense. Without that, it all falls apart. What do you see happening today? Yeah. And so this is the righteousness that lifts us up, but then reproach that disgraces. That, 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 that whole phrase there in Proverbs talks about how that it disgraces us, brings us down. Sin is what does that. It is a reproach or a disgrace, and we are living under reproach these days. Um, the people of God seem to be more focused on other things than the kingdom of God. It seems like many Christians are more concerned with pursuing the American dream than God's will and purpose. Now, we have the opportunity to pursue happiness, but to us, we almost confuse the real kingdom of God and his kingdom mission with the American dream. You know, it's like me just be comfortable and have a house, you know, and a couple of cars and a, maybe a dog, not so much a cat. But um, you, you ever notice how skunks would be better pets than cats? I'm, I'm diverting here just to get your attention back going. You know, I've got like almost a pet skunk that's hanging out near the house, and I talk to it. It comes up. Daryl, I think you've got the same friend. We both have a, a, a yeah. Um, you know, you just want to be calm and not too excited. It comes around. It comes pretty close. You know, hey, how are you doing? And, and it just kind of goes on. I've always heard that they kill more like varmints or rodents and mice and stuff than, than cats do anyway. You know, and I thought, you know, I went, Okay, when I was a kid, this is a different story. I did have a pet skunk for a while. Um, and, you know, I've heard of people that have actually made a pet. You know, that, but it's dangerous. I mean, they may be a great pet. They're beautiful. And, but you just, you just never know when they might get excited, right? I mean, if you had a pet skunk and everything's going good, what if you sneezed and scared them? Could be bad. I'm sorry I got on all of that. But anyway, the American dream. You can even have a pet skunk if you want. Uh, but people think this thing, and I, ought to have, I ought to have this amount of stuff. I ought to be able to enjoy this. And, and now it's like I need to have satellite TV, a cell phone. I need to have this. I need to have that. And, and we just pursued with living the American dream. We think we've arrived when what we're really called to is God's kingdom and God's purposes. We've gotten confused on that a whole lot. And so here's how a lot of people in our country today define freedom. Are you ready for it? Here's how a lot of Americans define freedom. It's not the way our founding fathers did, but here's what, they, here's what most of them that are polled think. It is the right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's rights. That's what they want to do. As long as it doesn't interfere with your rights, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. Uh, and um, so they're, we're almost getting to the point where even though it may sound good to some people, we're almost doing what Israel was doing during the time before kings and when they were 
under the judges. In fact, Judges 21, 25 says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Did things go very well for them? (laughs) Everybody knows liberty has to be coupled with responsibility. Um, Every parent knows. If you give someone rights and freedom and you don't couple that with responsibilities, things will go horribly wrong. It did there, and it is here, too, because we don't even understand freedom. Illustrate. Did you ever get the car keys taken away when you were a teenager? Have you ever taken car keys away from your teenager? Have you watched them drive? How about this? You have a driver's license. I can drive on the roads. I'm a legal driver. But that doesn't mean you can go wherever you want to go as fast as you want to go as, as, as fast as you want to go, does it? Well, I've got a license to drive. I've got freedom. Because if everybody goes wherever they want to go, whenever they want to go, as fast as they want to go, sooner than later, we all crash. I don't have to pay attention to those signs, those rules. Since people tend to be more selfish than responsible... Our civilization, our government has had to craft more and more laws to try to enforce responsibility when we don't have responsibility, and it just doesn't work. People are still not responsible. Because I'll tell you why law doesn't fix us. You want to know why law, people want to talk about laws, 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 laws. Why laws don't fix us. They, and you just know why they're doing it, why it happens. But law represents the minimum requirement, doesn't it? Right? When you pass a law, it, it, so, so here's the thing. The, um, and I see uh, one of our local constables has just walked in and here and, and sitting and listening. But, but you, can, you can say amen or not. But, but when, it says, when it says the speed limit is like 55 or going through town, it's, it goes from 55 to 30, right? And, and, and fortunately, he believes in God's grace and, and cuts a little bit of slack there. But if you take advantage of it, you'll enforce responsibility, right? Um, the thing is, is, is that if you, that's the minimum. I mean, when the speed limit is 55, that's like as slow as you go. You don't want to go too much over it, but it's kind of like, you know, this is, this is what's supposed to be the maximum. But we kind of look at it as the minimum. And that's, that's what happens with law. It's like, how, how low can I go without being arrested? I mean, when the law says this or this or this is illegal, that's kind of the bar that anything down to that you can do without being arrested. And that's kind of the way people look at it. What, how much can I get by with? You know, hey, I might have even asked also... Have I asked this question? Like, okay, how much, how much do you normally give? You know, five mile an hour, ten mile an hour? And um, I'll just, I just know this much. If you're ten over, you're, you're, you're going to get reminded in very openly, right? Uh, so or maybe less. Depends on the mood. I don't know. But, uh, but the thing about it is that's what we want to know. How much can I get by with? That's what the law inspires. The law is powerless to inspire greatness. Laws are powerless to inspire excellence or virtue. Traffic laws don't create courteous drivers. The littering laws haven't kept people from throwing stuff out in our ditch. Well, people are throwing stuff out there. We ought to pass a law against that. We already have. Tax laws don't make you financially responsible or generous. DUI laws don't inspire sobriety. Right to free speech doesn't make you kind. The law cannot inspire marital fidelity. I mean, the law doesn't care who you sleep with as long as it's a consenting adult. You know, it just, it just sets where the, where the low bar is. 
So here's what we have in our nation. We have individual rights that are regulated by law. And this is a recipe for us to become as selfish as we can legally be and not be arrested. That's what the laws do. That's all they can do. That's their limit. Rights become nothing more than me exercising my power against you as long as I don't get arrested. And whenever that's your society, here's all you've got. That's all the law can do. In the end, here's what ends up happening. History has shown the rich will rule the poor. Women will be treated as a commodity. Children will be victimized. And here's what people think. If it's legal, it's moral. <laughs> Have you thought of that? Just because it's legal don't mean it's moral. It doesn't mean it's righteous. Law informs conscience instead of the other way around. Well, it's not wrong. There's no law against it. Huh? Everybody looks for a loophole. Always looking for a loophole. That's what we do whenever we go that way. So here's the situation. Our legal system has probably permanently been severed from moral absolutes in this nation. And here's the deal. I'm afraid it's not going back. All right? So what's the answer? Well, the, the, the proverb gives us that, the revival that brings restoration. It's the righteousness that exalts. Um, the point is, is that we will never have a rebirth of freedom until we have a revival of righteousness. And that can only come through Christ because the Bible says that our own righteousness is like filthy rags. That, 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 that God himself would pay for our sin and, and wipe our sin out, pay our sin debt, and the righteousness of Jesus, who was perfect, be applied to our account, Romans chapter 4. And so here's what happens when you come by faith. This is what separates Christianity from all of the other religions of the world, is that all the other religions talk about things that you do and steps you take to try to reach the next level or whatever. But the gospel says, it starts out by saying that the way that you that you start is by admitting that you can't do it and that you're a sinner and that you can't do it on your own. You acknowledge your sin. You be willing to turn from living your own way, being your own God, doing your own thing, to trusting completely in what God has already done for you on the cross and not just the cross to pay for your sins, the resurrection to give you new life. I needed more than just Jesus dying for my sins. I needed more than just my sins to be wiped out. I needed new life. And both are involved. Both are illustrated in our baptism. And so I turn. That word for turning, there's a Bible word for that. It's called repentance. And I, I trust totally in Him. And as I do that, as I, as I, as I receive that, he begins to not only just forgive me my sin, but transform my thinking, guided by his word and by his spirit. Me, who is a sinner. Me, the one who is so selfish and bent on doing my own thing and getting by with as much as I can legally get by with without being locked up. Me, that me, that I then begin to be transformed by his power to want to do good even to those who don't deserve it, to even be nice and give blessing even to those who are my enemies. That doesn't come natural. To love those who hate you, to do good to those who do evil to you, that takes some supernatural power. That's what the gospel does. And it only comes through Christ. That's why in Psalm 33, 12, he says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he 
has chosen as his own inheritance. We'll be blessed if we live under his lordship. And when righteousness rule, Proverbs 29.2 says, when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. This is why righteousness and responsibility that is a part of it has to rule the liberty. So we are to be... See, the key to, the key to this nation, when we think about the price that so many have paid, this is, what, this is what I always reflect on when we come to a time where we all think about those who have given their lives for a nation, for this nation. So we're just talking about the us right now. I always think about the incredible price that many paid so that we could be free in what we've done with the freedom and how we're throwing it away. That's not why they died. That's not why they died. I remember many, many years ago, we were having a, uh, some type of, of thing at school, Daryl, and um, you guys had asked me to come say a prayer, and there was all kinds of scared stuff going on. I said, oh, we can't do the prayer. We can't do the prayer. And um, I remember you saying, hey, the ability to be able to do that in public places is what I went over and was willing to give my life for. See, and, um, you know, we found out actually you can. <laughs> you can pray anywhere, anytime. Oh. But this is the thing that happens. And the key, the key to liberty, the key to revival in America is not in the state house. It's not in the houses of conference, Congress is in your house. It's in your house. We are the ones called to be salt and to be light, to be salt in a decaying world and light in a dark, dark world. And guess what? We don't have to be the majority. God has always worked through a remnant to bring revival, to bring souls in. We're running out of time here. So there's hope. There's hope. There is hope for this, and our only hope is you. What is the hope for this country? You. It is you and people like you. We have the potential to shape our society more than any law that could be passed to try to straighten everybody out and set limits, or more than any candidate or any president or anyone else, you, you are the key. It is by our behavior, by the way we do. Oh, man, watch out here. What we've been talking about in James, James is talking about a faith that works. When we actually do what the book of James is teaching us that we're going through, and we live out what we say we believe. It's going to impact people. Folks are going to say, I don't know whether I believe that book or not, but I can't believe what's happening in your life and how you could do this and how you could forgive that and how you could deal with that. What makes you tick? They just opened the door for you to give them the gospel. The whole law, Paul says in Galatians 5.14, is fulfilled in one word, the one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, but if you love your neighbor like you love yourself, you don't have to worry about all these laws, right? If we all did that, we'd have such freedom. So let's take it home. You ready to take it home? He tells us that it's not law on the outside, but love on the inside that makes a difference. And the love we have on the inside is the love of God and the power of God that is supernatural. All right, take home. Do what is just. Not just what you can justify. This is things. I mean, this is things we can we can do. I, I need some. I need a list of some do's. Okay. There's enough don'ts out there. I need some do's. How instead of what's the least I can do and what's the most I can get by with? How high can I reach? How much can I help? 
I didn't deserve anything from God, but look at the ends he went to to save you and me. Can never earn it or deserve it. Do what is responsible, not just what's permissible. Responsibility. Well, there's no law against it. No, no. Do what's responsible. If you're not willing to take responsibility for the outcome of a decision or for words that you say or post, then don't do it. If you're not willing to take responsibility. If you are responsible, here's the the thing. If you're irresponsible, then guess what else? This is part of the problem. If you're irresponsible, then someone else has to take responsibility for your irresponsibility. That's what we're having to do in this country and why it's taxing us so, pun intended. We're having to take responsibility, not just for those who need help, but for those who are irresponsible. Do what is moral, not what is modern. I'm telling you. You think about the violence that's happening in this country. And I know we all cry out when there's nudity and sex and all that on movies and TV. But my question is, how many acts of murder do we see acted out just on network TV, regular shows we watch? We see somebody's head blown off. We see some people killed. I was watching a TV show, and there were like five murders and and several other killings just before it was over. It's an hour-long TV show. I think the Bible says murder is also wrong. But we're being desensitized to that. You know, in the video games, the movies, the everything, we're being desensitized to the value of human life created in the image of God and one of the most basic rights, our Declaration of Independence says the right to life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. People, the guardrails are gone. So do what is moral, not just what you see in the celebs doing. Okay? And do honor God. Do, do what honors God, even among people who don't know God. You and I do be responsible to do what honors God. Well, what would honor God in this situation? Somebody's made a bad comment. How should I respond? What would honor God? Instead, of What would put them in their place? What would honor God? See, a lot of this, if you know the Lord, is, is, is intuitive. Uh, self-evident. There's that. It should be self-evident. Do what honors God. Father, help us.